This is a CBC Podcast. Hi there, it's Pia. Every Wednesday, we are bringing you a bonus podcast, a handpicked story from the week's round of the Sunday magazine that we really think is worth hearing. And this week, that is certainly true. Of course, you can hear all of our stories. They're all worth listening to. <laughs> on the full podcast we put out Sunday and on the CBC Listen app. All right, here's this week's highlight. From singing on Brooklyn Stoops as a kid to starring on Broadway and the big screen, few have had a career as expansive and as impressive as Barbara Streisand. Now at 81, the singer, actor and director is telling her own story for the very first time in a new memoir. It is called My Name is Barbara. And one of the first things Barbara Streisand wants you to know is that you've quite likely been mispronouncing her name for years. It's Streisand, or she says, like sand on the beach, not Zand with a Z. Barbara Streisand goes far beyond that, though, into so many facets of her life. Her early days growing up without her father, who died when she was a baby, and with a single mom who constantly criticized her. Her music career began at 17, when she entered a singing contest at a local bar and blew the audience away with her vocal range. Happy days are here again The skies above are clear again Barbara Streisand soon caught the attention of theatre fans when she scored her first leading role on Broadway playing the tenacious Fanny Bryce in Funny Girl. Don't tell me not to fly, I simply got to. If someone takes a spill, it's me and not you. Who told you you're allowed to rain on my parade? She made a name in Hollywood in the 1970s and 80s, starring in hits like The Way We Were and A Star Is Born, and directing the classic Yentl. Papa, can you see me? Papa, can you find me? For the past several years, after two films she wanted to direct were turned down, Barbara started writing instead about her six decades in showbiz and about the misconceptions she wants to correct about herself. To me, Barbara Streisand seems like one of the last of her kind, a megastar of a bygone entertainment world who crosses generations, transcends mediums, has often been talked about, but less so talked about herself. She seems so omnipresent, so unknowable, that I wasn't quite sure exactly what to expect in a conversation with her. But lucky me, I got a chance to find out just a few days ago. So here is my Canadian broadcast exclusive interview with the one and only Barbara Streisand. Hi. Hi, nice to have you in <laughs> Canada. What a delight. Well, I love Canada. What do you love about it? Well, there are less people. <laughs> I mean, I love Montreal, the Frenchness of it, and the architecture. Um, I just, the people I know there are just very lovely. Well, we're so happy that you're with us. 
Let's talk about your book. You've had a massive career spanning six decades. You've been the subject of more than a few biographies. So why now, Barbara? Why did you decide that now was the time for you to sit down and tell your own story, write a memoir? I did it because I couldn't get two pictures made. If I could have made my pictures, which take about, let's say, two and a half years each, there actually was a third picture I would have liked to make too. Um, I don't think I would have ever written a book because I really don't like to relive my life. You know, I like to be in the moment looking possibly to the future, but just like to inhabit the day, you know? Hmm. I have to say in reading your memoir, you're ability for recall and memory in detail is just astounding. I know you relied on some of your journals, but it's just astounding to me. Is, do you just have a great memory? No, I don't. I don't think I do. As a matter of fact, I have to look myself up. And I have an editor who looks me up for certain factual things and when things happen. And even if, you know, I find out today what year I did such and such, I'll forget it tomorrow. So, no, it was hard to write a book, actually. Yeah. You make it very clear at the beginning um, that you want to set the record straight about your own life story. There have been a lot of misconceptions, you say. What do you want people to know about your life that you say there have been misconceptions about? Well, the negative stuff. I mean, whatever negative stuff that I'm, I'm certainly not a diva. What's a diva anyway? A diva is an opera singer who has an entourage following her, maybe, as I've seen in the movies, whenever they portray divas, it's just not me. I'm down to earth. I'm, I like simplicity. I don't, uh, I mean, simplicity, nothing simple. I like to be quiet. I've never relived my life before. I never listen to my music. I don't watch my movies so um, I like to be with my grandchildren and my son, my husband, you know, good friends, like most people. Hmm. You talk about being described as a diva. One assumption that comes up throughout your your life, but in this book, is that you have this, you know, quote, obsession to take control of whatever projects you're involved with. Tell me how you see when people say, oh, she's controlling, what what, what you're really after in those moments. Well, the different perception, the language, the descriptions of men versus women who want to be in control. And it was a speech I did in 1992. Let's see, let, let me lead into it. Language gives us an insight into the way women are viewed in a male-dominated society. A man is commanding while a woman is demanding. A man is forceful, but a woman is pushy. A man is uncompromising. I mean, that's, you know, to be heralded, while a woman is a ball breaker. A man is a perfectionist, but a woman's a pain in the ass. He's assertive. She's aggressive. She, he shows leadership while she's controlling. He's committed. She's obsessed. He's persevering. She's relentless. He sticks to his guns while she's stubborn. You see what I mean? I mean, I wrote that in 1992, and this is more than, uh, nine, what is it? 30 years, years, 30 years. 30 years. Oh, my God, it's 30 years later. 
And we're still talking about a woman who wants control. It's really such a shame, isn't it? And there's, you know, ball break and Barbara Streisand, there you are saying, look, you know, I owned it. I'm, I, I was going to own it. I wasn't going to take it. I was going to be a woman who stood up in all the ways that you describe women are standing up, but seen as differently. And yet, Barbara, you talk about the memoirs so much. And I, I think this, I don't know, will surprise people about how vulnerable you are. You talk about your, how self-conscious you were, I imagine maybe you still are, about certain things. What Everyone's vulnerable, but where does your vulnerability come from? Oh, how to grow old gracefully, just feelings, you know, that get hurt easily. It was fun for me to write about the process of things, how I came to certain decisions artistically, uh, what that was like, because that's exciting. To talk about myself is not exciting to me. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I guess people, it's just, I. I it's again, the misunderstanding of what women are like, or uh, I'm not that different from other women, I don't think, except that I have these ideas inside my head, you know, that I, that I find interesting. <laughs> you write that the first time you felt the spotlight on your face early in your singing career, you found it, quote, warm and comforting, because you couldn't see the faces of the audience. Right, right. And, and I've heard you say before, look, I don't sing at home. I'm not like just going to dash off a tune like I'm a singing monkey if you ask me to. But that you still get nervous when you're out there. Do all these years later, you're still you were still nervous when you got on stage. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's interesting. There was a man in the audience, one of the last shows I ever did, and he was a tiny little figure, and I could see the people's faces in the front row. Unfortunately, and he never applauded after the songs. So I'll I'll. I'll figure out, okay. Now, I get obsessed by what he's thinking. What didn't he like? I felt so bad, but I didn't want to see someone's face who didn't applaud. I'm thinking, well, I really get curious about what they didn't like, and I don't want to have to do that. I don't want to think beyond the song, but unfortunately, the reality you know, has you thinking about everything. There is one person in particular, um, who fueled, as you talked about your vulnerability and your self-consciousness as you grew up and became famous, you write a lot about your mom, Diana, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. um, your relationship with her um, through the years, which was trying, I think that's fair to say. But then there's a gift you received for your birthday just last year. Yeah, yeah your mom died yeah, 20 yeah, years yeah. ago, but this friend found an unfinished painting she commissioned in the 80s and a message that came with it. Will you just tell me that story? Yeah. In other words, I never knew my father. And I would have loved to know more about him. Like when I was a baby, my my mother didn't talk about him. And I one day said, but I, I want to know about my father. I said to her, why didn't you ever tell me about him? And she said, I didn't want you to miss him. You know, it, to me, it was illogical. So when this present came on my 80th birthday, a, a painting that my mother had uh, asked someone to paint, I guess. And it came with a letter. And the letter was from a friend of hers from many, many years ago, obviously a woman she confided in. And the letter told me about some of the conversations with my mother. 
where my mother actually admitted not only was she jealous of me after I became famous, but she was even jealous of me as a baby. When my father came home, my mother describes, and he wouldn't even take off his coat before he wanted to hold me, and he would sing to me, and he would dress me, and he would carry me around facing forward. So he, he said, I want her to see what she's facing in the world or some, something like that. That gave me a, a look into my very first months of life. That gave me the feeling I did have a father who loved me, even when I was a little baby. And it made me feel more whole. And what I couldn't understand was when this woman said to my, uh, my mother, were you jealous then when she was a baby? And my mother said, yes. That's interesting to me. I mean, that that jealousy began so young toward me. It makes sense. It, it makes sense to me now. It's also complicated, right? To reconcile the life you had with her and then hearing that and knowing that. Yeah, because I wish she had told me that herself, you know, because my mother loved him. And that's right. I, the, the word she said, he watched my father, Manny, short for Emmanuel, kiss Barbara on her neck. And my mother said after that, the way he used to kiss me. Wow, that's so intimate. It's such a a look into her sadness. How do you see her now, knowing all that? I feel bad for her, as I say at the end of the book. I, you know, she had she had a wonderful voice. My mother had a talent. She had a pretty face. She, but she never wanted me to go into show business. And I think because she was frustrated herself, you know, she would sing at the drop of a hat at any kind of wedding, bar mitzvah, whatever. I was shy. I couldn't get up and sing in front of people, really, as I got older, especially. You're one of the small group of artists in the world that's received an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, a Tony over the course of your career. You're an EGOT winner. You say you're, quote, rather ordinary. You said at the beginning, I'm just, I'm just like you, P. I'm just a regular person. But how do you reconcile these two Barbaras the Jewish kid from Brooklyn who enjoys coffee-flavored ice cream and going to the dentist, and this larger-than-life Barbara Streisand, we all know. I can't. Mm. I can't. I can't put that in words. I'm, I mean, artists, they paint alone. They paint alone. Writers write alone. And then there's another level of performing. Now, the performing level I don't enjoy I like to work on the show. I like to design the show. I like to pick my songs. I like to pick the set. You know, I, I, like, I like that. But the actual performing of it, night after night, as you can see, I mean, I've never, I think I've done, what, 93 shows in my whole career. And, you know, years and years of performing. So... I just don't enjoy doing the same thing night after night. That's why I never went back on the stage. That's why I love movies. You finish a scene, and then you go on to the next scene. 
And I just don't want anyone to mishear you, Barbara Streisand, because you you make a point to this many times in the book, that despite you not loving being on the stage and singing, you were very appreciative of your fans. Oh, yeah. I mean, I love when they buy my records or came to see my shows. That's great. Of course. You know, I'm grateful for that. Um, I just... I don't know. I don't know. It's very hard to explain. Yeah, well, you do say that fame uh, can be a hollow trophy. Yeah, I don't know what it means. What To me, a happy life is having a family, a husband, children, my son, now grandchildren. I mean, that's my happiness. It fill, at friends who I love and, and whom they love me, hopefully, you know, they do love me. That's why they're my friends. I mean, they're people I can talk to and tell secrets to. Uh, Just like most people, do you see what I mean? And then I have this other side that is mysterious to me as well. And you say, look, now I want to step away. I'm going to step out of the spotlight because like so many people, family comes first. That's what I want to do. I want to surround myself with my family and my friends. Is Mm -hmm. this, are you really stepping out? Yeah, I mean, maybe I'll write another design book someday when I feel like, you know, if I'm too bored with reality or something. (laughs) But uh, I don't know. For now, I mean, 10 years writing a book, you know, mostly in my bed, never getting, you know, dressed up in real clothes. It was like, especially during COVID, it was never went out for years. No, it'll be fun to see what's going on. And then probably... Go back to hibernating again. <laughs> I, I wonder that because also in your book, and we know this about your life, you've you've been politically outspoken. You've talked about the issues of our time, climate change. You know, I don't have to tell you this. You live in you I live know. in this world. It's so difficult. We have this war in the Middle East. We have Ukraine and Russia That's with right. climate change. I mean, the world. I I bet you climate change has something to do with even people's emotions and breathing the wrong air and particles, you know, and destroying the forests that give us oxygen. We need oxygen. I don't know why people have the need to hate. Is that something that always has been? My husband and I watched a documentary the other night called Life on Our Planet. And it's like, you know, starting with the dinosaurs and so forth and how they always fought you know, is that the nature of nature? I mean, is that how animals always were, you know, wanting to kill each other? I don't know. It really makes you think about man, you know. Is man so different than the animal? I just find it so heartbreaking. You know, I just pray for sanity to prevail and uh, a de-escalation of violence, you know. I mean... Life is so precious, and I think, uh, you know, I feel bad for the children, my grandchildren, because I don't know what this world is going to look like in 20 years. I'm afraid of it. What what do you want your legacy to be? You've done so much. You've acted, you've directed, you've sang, you, you have worked in activism, I'm not trying to put you in the grave, Barbara. I'm just saying, what do you want us? No, no, no. I, I believe me. I have a lot of philis, uh, philanthropy to still do, but um, 
I want to just walk out of the door and breathe the air and just be free, free. I don't have to go to my bed to finish a book. I don't have to talk anymore about myself in interviews. I just can't do it. I can't even imagine when they propose the book tour, going to different <laughs> cities and you charge people you know, for a ticket to hear you talk about your book. I don't know. I can't imagine myself doing that, packing, unpacking. It seems like all such a schlep, you know? Uh, no, I want to be free to do what I want to do each day until I can't stand till I can't stand the boredom of it. And maybe I'll never get bored. Who knows? You know, it's hard, I think, for a lot of people to reconcile. And and I get it for you. Like I get like, I'm just Barbara, like would everyone what's the big deal everyone's making about me? Like, I know I'm good at what I do. I get that. I get that. But listening to you, um, you just sound like a regular person. And I'm trying to reconcile. I am. I mean, I one am. of my best friends is a real estate person. You know, so we talk about everything. We talk about real estate. We talk about relationships. We talk about, I have, you know, girlfriends that we discuss clothes together. And then others who are philosophical and we cry together. I mean, I am a regular person. I just happen to have a bit of talent <laughs> that communicates. <laughs> It communicates with people. What could I tell you? I'm just laughing at a bit. I'm just laughing at the modifier of a bit. (laughs) You sound sound like a very nice person. Tell me about yourself. Are you married? Do you have children? I do. I have have, um, three kids. I'm married to another journalist. I have two 10-year-old twin boys, identical twin boys. And um, they're full of energy and lovely. And my daughter, Jasmine, who is 13 and is a competitive gymnast and just a wonderful human. You know this about your kid and your kids and your grandkids. You know, sometimes you get lucky sometimes with what you're giving. You can build, you can grow and help make good citizens. But I've just really been blessed. Wow. So tell me, see, I'm fascinated by twins. Yeah. Especially who look alike, you know? Um, Yeah. How do they get along? They get along. They're they're like, they're, they're they're joined together like mentally they're they're so weird if everyone asks me like what's it like to have twins and i said it's like a science experiment unfolding before your eyes they're super sensitive when one is in pain the other is in pain they do all these things um that's see that's fascinating to me i'm not so fascinating to myself yeah i mean who is i'm not fascinating to myself either (laughs) (laughs) so when i'm asked it's like i can't describe you know, how come I can sing? Why do I have the vocal cords? Maybe from my mother and her mother who had a pretty voice. My sister has a pretty voice. You know, it's it's in the DNA again. I want to ask you one question before I let you go. What 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 games do you play on your phone when you're in bed? I start with solitaire. Then I go to maybe backgammon if I still am up. But my favorite is gin, gin rummy. Mm-hmm. I hear you. And I do Wordle every night. That's fun. Do you do uh, connections? That, what's connections? There's a new New York Times puzzle. You have to, you get 16 words and they, they, you have to join four of them together in groups. So maybe I'm giving you an example. Um, it might be coffee, tea, juice, water, and those would be in a group. It's much harder than that. You should try it. Connections tomorrow. And where would I find that? You're going to Google connections. Yes, right next to Wordle. Oh, I haven't seen it. Okay. Because I have the app for my New York Times 
games. So, okay, connections, I'm going to look into it. And the games free my mind, you know, from the day's calamities, what's going on in the world. Otherwise, I, I couldn't sleep. All right. Nice talking to you. Yeah, thank you, Barbara. Do take good care of yourself and enjoy your time give with your, your family. Give your children a, just a little hug from me. Oh, gosh, I sure will. Thank you. Okay. All, All right. right. Take good care. Nice talking to you. Bye-bye. That is my Canadian broadcast exclusive interview with the incomparable Barbara Streisand. Her new memoir is called My Name is Barbara. And by the way, if you're wondering why I asked her about what games she plays on her phone at bedtime, she writes about it in her memoir. She, she talks about how it's her nightly ritual to help her unwind. See, just a regular person like you and me. And you can find all the stories we bring you each week on The Sunday Magazine by heading to our website, cbc.ca slash Sunday. I'm Pia Chattopadhyay. Thanks for lending us your ear. We'll talk to you again on Sunday. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.